In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. In the days when I was young, or younger, and full of enthusiasm, as the president of the College Pro-Life Association, there were many occasions, be they um, setting up a table in one of the student buildings, or in hosting debates, that there were many different uh, exchanges of ideas, you could say, whether it be in responding to libertarians who made the mistake of thinking that only someone who is conscious deserves to live, which means you better lock your door when you fall asleep, or in setting up opportunities for pro-choice feminists to argue against our pro-life feminists, There are very few people, though, who are interested in ideas, Uh, even fewer people who actually read. And so later on in my 20s, I was one of those people who had a little square bumper sticker on my car that just simply said, abortion is mean. A lot more people could understand that. Sadly, that may have contributed to the problem that we face today. That problem is that we have a whole population of Catholic teenagers who have imbibed that message. And as a result, we'll have buses and buses and buses from all over the country of kids coming to the March for Life and following many generations that have done the same, who are adamantly opposed to abortion and adamantly in favor of same-sex marriage. Because all they've ever heard is, don't be mean. Be nice. Don't be mean. And that easily translates into being nice to the poor unborn babies because they're so cute. And our ability to have photographs of them, videos of them, just drives home the point. And be nice to the poor maligned men who have bad things said about them and um, even nastier things hurled at them. And as we know, nice isn't a good word. There has to be a deeper message. There has to be some better response. Certainly abortion is mean, it's cheap, it's tawdry. It's even meaner to be the person who profit at the expense of other people's misfortune. It's also mean to fail to draw that distinction between the people who really deserve our ire and the people who are caught in bad situations who deserve our compassion. And so what I propose for your meditation with these readings we hear today is that instead of respecting life and leaving it alone, that we realize that God wants us to sanctify life. Instead of thinking that life is already sacred, 
and it deserves to be honored and respected. We need to realize that life is the beginning of God's creation, yearning to be consecrated. So one of the sarcastic quips that I would encounter in college and since then is this argument that, well, since natural abortion occurs, since your God doesn't seem to have a problem with natural abortion, with miscarriages, therefore, direct abortion shouldn't be a big deal. It's certainly disrespectful, bordering on blasphemous. By the same logic, if we know that God who governs all things in heaven and on earth also allows older people uh, to die in their sleep, does that also mean that we can put a pillow over their head and suffocate them? And sadly, as we have won the tide against abortion in this country, the silent uh, atrocity of euthanasia has grown worse and worse. So some people actually have followed that evil, illogic. Rather, it's worth pointing out that instead of imitating what God must do, you could almost say the sad tasks that are left to God because of original sin, to govern over death, and to decide that it's at a time it's, it's best for that person to, to be relieved of this earthly burden. Instead of poking fun at God, at what now is part of creation because of our sin, we instead should seek to imitate God in the good that He seeks to do in the world, to sanctify, to consecrate. With the new liturgical year, which began now almost two months ago, it was an early beginning to Advent, we are in the midst of what Holy Mother Church has designated as a year for consecrated life, a year to honor and to promote the life of consecration, of religious life. And not just religious life, but all forms of consecration. Just last night at 7-ish p.m., long after the 5 p.m. Mass had been offered and, and uh, dismissed, there was a Mass here in Spanish. For one of the young men who belonged to the Stop at Modern community here in our neighborhood, who do youth ministry work. If you're one of the many people who come to Saturday morning Mass, you've seen the men of Stop at Mater with the throngs of young men who are under their pastoral care. The men of Stop at Mater, who are also here at 6.30 Mass every day, have regular jobs. They're not religious. They're members of a secular institute. But in the evenings, every day, they're dedicated to prayer and teaching the youth. In the parishes where um, 
the Spanish-speaking populations are, are greater, where usually the kids speak English, uh, but the parents don't. On Saturdays, though, they bring uh, their all-stars, you could say, the kids from the different youth groups for what they designate their leadership academy. And so you'll see over in that section over there, good two or three pews full of young boys, dressed well, well well-behaved, for mass, for confession. And then they have a morning of catechism, lunch, and then they play soccer when the weather's decent or they use the gym when it's not, like today. It's from that community of Stabat Mater that we received Father Mauricio Pineda, who was ordained last year for our diocese. And through whom this parish sent a young man to the seminary, Mauricio Portillo, whose picture is in the lobby on the bulletin board for the vocations. And another vocation will come through their community this year for the diocese as well. It was last night that one of their men, Tomas Reyes, made his lifetime vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. Lifelong service in the community, service to the church, and service to God's youth. It's hard to figure out which our materialistic world abhors more. The promise of poverty, although that it's usually the one thing that the world understands. But worldly people certainly don't understand a promise of celibacy. And probably even worse, probably more offensive to our materialistic culture, a promise of obedience. I thanked him at the end of the Mass. Fortunately, I didn't have to preach in Spanish. But I was able to thank him at the end of the Mass and and acknowledge that it's not just a happy day for his family and his community, but it's a happy day for the parish, because he's a member of this parish. And it's a happy day for this church, for the whole Catholic Church. And that from now on, not just his words and his activities, but his body and his blood are part of the sacrifice that we offer at this altar. When the world thinks of a vow of celibacy, the world thinks that someone, a man or a woman, made a promise to not do stuff. Instead of realizing that, no, this person made the vow or the promise that their body and blood will do God's work only. In a manner which is consistent with the service that the angels render God in heaven. Different from the way that married people do God's work in a manner which is consistent with creation. Our message to the world needs to be life is made by God and has a purpose and has a destiny. Children, unborn babies, don't just need to be honored and and helped. They need to be baptized and consecrated. Human life, 
Not just human thoughts and human activity, but the human body belongs to God. It was made for God. With it, we pray and worship God. With it, we work and serve others. And with it, those who have made lifelong vows to their proper spouse participate in God's work of creation. The body is sacred and deserves to be consecrated. St. Paul taught us. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? But whoever is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? You have been purchased at a price. And what is that price? Our Lord's sacrifice of his body on the cross and the shedding of his blood. And so, instead of merely honoring how life already is not of our making, we as Christians know that we are involved in God's work of further sanctifying what He has already made. And it begins with our own life, our own bodies. The consecration that's made before ordination or in a religious profession or in the promises that are made in a secular institute deepen what already has happened in baptism. Whereas the world thinks that death is the worst thing you could ever inflict on somebody. The ultimate sadness... As Christians, we know that the worst thing that any, anyone could ever do is fail to worship the God who is holy. To call ordinary or evil what is sacred. And that sin of omission isn't merely failing to do the, the kind thing for somebody else, but the failure to consecrate what still yearns for God's grace. If you look at the second reading, you know that some of the passages are missing. You'll need to go to your Bible and see what exact sin St. Paul is talking about, what the church doesn't necessarily want us to um, speak about from the pulpit, apparently, which is wise enough. But the one word that jumps off this page is sacrilege. When we sin against our body, we don't just break a rule. We don't just do something which makes God frown. We commit a sacrilege. We commit a sin against the sacredness of our own body. And so when we pray for 
for the unborn, when we pray for the ill. We need to do more than just acknowledge that here is a beautiful creature that deserves compassion, love, and care, and not a speedier death directly at the hands of someone who's supposed to love them. But here is someone beloved of God. When we see people who have, who have disordered relationships caused by who knows what, we mourn not just because there's something displeasing, something obviously unnatural, something which is obviously bad for the human race. But more than that, here is someone who, who has not yet recognized how the body is sacred and how the body doesn't have to dictate to us what we do and think. But if our lives belong to God, our bodies can do His work. The message certainly rings all the louder when we ourselves show that we've, God, we've, we've permitted God to make us holy. When we consecrate ourselves, when we consecrate our day, when we consecrate our year, when we consecrate our homes and our families. And make it clear that being good is not that bad. But being holy is what brings joy to the human heart. So I encourage you to pray and sanctify your body and sanctify and consecrate your home. And pray for the next young man from this parish who will make those vows and the next young woman who will make those promises. Pray that every year there are those who hear the call of the Lord to to leave the world and to serve Him exclusively. And to pray that someone might even come from our own families. If we are people who have allowed God to work deeply in us, we will rejoice at, at the sacrifice they make and at the distance that it creates between us and them. And to the degree that we do not allow God to sanctify and consecrate us, we will resist or even try to obstruct God making a soul ready for that commitment. And so as our Lord's body and blood is about to be made present on the altar, we pray that His... A divine countenance may look down on our bodies and send His grace to make them acceptable sacrifices to the praise and glory of God the Father. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.